0: And welcome to the Horizon Church podcast. Horizon Church is a Christ-centred, Word-based and Spirit-led church. We are so happy to bring this week's message to you. And on behalf of our pastors, Brad and Ali Bonhomme and the Horizon Church team, we pray it's a blessing to you. Are you ready for the Word today? Good. Very, very good. Um Well, we are in a two-week series called What's Your Shape? And I'll be preaching the first one. Pastor Brad will be here next week preaching number two as well and he will be brilliant. Um, And this morning, I actually, if you're taking notes, I want to preach a message called Pictures of You, Pictures of You Um, and, you know, um, kudos to the band that wrote the song. I don't know if it's got any resemblance to the song, but it's Pictures of You. Um, There are so many people here when Andrew and I came. Came back home to home base at Sutherland um, that we don't know. That I felt like I could indulge myself a little bit in telling stories that people that have been around um, for a long time really already know. So, will you indulge me as I tell you a little bit about our dating story and our honeymoon, if that's okay with you? We actually grew up in this church. Andrew did go away for a little while. His mum was a kids' pastor, and they went to a church out in Sydney, Southwest. But um, whilst we grew up together, we actually never really were in each other's orbit. We knew who each other were, um, but it wasn't until our early 30s that he came back to Sutherland Shire and we kind of just noticed each other. Um, Sure enough, he signed up for a missions trek I was leading to the Philippines. Yeah, love does funny things. He, he denies it was about me. He was just being obedient to the Holy Spirit, but it's amazing how they find themselves in the team you're leading. Um, <laughs> teams are a great place to meet people, by the way. We've had a few little team romances, haven't we? Youth teams and whatnot. Um, well, we did find each other and in that muddy, sweaty, wonderful place, which is the slums of Manila, Um, He fell in love with me, goodness knows how, because I was looking a treat um, in those slums, but apparently I was funny and relaxed. And he's like, You're not always on a Sunday. I'm working on that, you know. (laughs) And Sure enough, um, he fell in love and we got married two years later with a little breakup in the middle, which we won't talk about. Don't give up hope if there's a breakup, okay? Because it can all, all can be restored, all can be made amends. It was a bit of a Clayton's breakup anyway, and I won't go into that. Uh, And tonight is going to be um, a great relationship seminar, EXO Real Love and Relationships, to help you on your way, whether you're married or dating or looking to date. Uh, C and Lloyd are going to do a great job of just sharing their heart, ministering into this area. Well, we did get married and we went on a honeymoon to Europe. Anyone honeymoon in Europe? And it was absolutely amazing, we did Iceland, um, we didn't see the Northern Lights, they disappointed us, but it was still amazing. We did mainland Europe, we did you know Paris and Amsterdam and Brussels, we ended up going up to trenches, we're a bit geeky like that, we like a bit of war memorabilia and history and so forth. Um, but I, one of my most poignant memories of this honeymoon was um, being on the train pulling into Paris and Andrew standing with the bags on the train, guarding the bags, ready to carry both bags, me offering help and him refusing help. No, he was the man of the house and he was going to carry the bags. And me looking at him and thinking like without a word of a lie, I have married the hunkiest, strongest, biggest hearted guy uh, in the entire universe and I'm sure married ladies you feel that way about your husband Um, and I watched as he carried these bags and let's just say ladies I had options Um, so my bag was not light, his was. Um, I watched him as he carried these bags up multiple flights of stairs at Paris Railway Station. If anyone's been to Paris, it's not suitable for prams or wheelchairs. It's not great in that way. Heritage listed buildings. And I watched as he served me and it was nothing to him. I kept on offering to him, can I help you? We get to our apartment and there is five or six flights of stairs. And he's like, no, babe, leave it to me. I'm carrying the bags. And it was as if it meant nothing to him. It was light as, it was light as a feather because I was his bride and he was in love. And it drove me more madly in love because service to him was an expression of his love for me. When we got back, we had three weeks before we went back to work, and I said about the task of turning Angela, uh, Andrew's batch batch pad into um, a home. He had one cross trainer, a couch, and a TV, um, a bed that was variably made, um, and he was a he was a very He had good routines, he was a good man, I wouldn't have married him, um, but it needed some female TLC. So I set about the task of making the home, of cooking meals, of washing. Uh, and he did all of it too, by the way. I just want to make this really clear. We are an egalitarian home, okay? Lest he goes home and goes, Babe, you made out like it was like you're know, the only one that did this. But <laughs> we made a home. We made a home out of his bachelor pad. And love fueled me. Cooking a meal was my joy. Cleaning the home was my joy. Making the bed was the joy because love just made it light as a feather for me. Well, fast forward, and by the way, the only variation to all of this was going camping. I have to with integrity tell you that didn't feel light as a feather. That was like two forces of nature coming at each other. (laughs) There is because there's two ways to set up a tent, there's two ways to pack the camping bags, there's two ways to cook the camp meals. And it's like, I've got to just admit that that is the variation on a theme. Um, Well, one year later, almost to the day, but we told him he couldn't be born on our anniversary. Um, Oliver arrives one day after his due date. He started coming on his due date because he's that kind of guy. He's by the calendar and he comes along and the love bomb went off again. The love bomb just exploded in our hearts and we are in the delivery room and Andrew takes a hold of this baby and goes, that is me. And he was right. Oliver is all dad with a tiny little sprinkling of mum. There is no conjecture about the milkman in this one, trust me. And love just spilled too much information. May need to delete it off the podcast, okay? (Laughter) Shivers. Okay. Okay. <laughs> I've got this, I've got this. Ollie did absolutely nothing for us. He didn't kiss us. He didn't cook a meal for us. He didn't say, thank you, mum, for carrying me for nine months in your womb and all the pain and reflux you went through. The sleepless nights with pregnancy insomnia. He did none of that. He just slept and cooed and looked gorgeous. And we were absolutely love drunk parents. And John and Glennis will remember it. We were absolutely love drunk and we were protective and we smothered Him in our love. We smothered him in our adoration he was held and cuddled I remember we were trying to get him in sleep routine and you know what we were so love drunk we're like let's just keep him up for a little while longer and hold him and in fact why don't we watch the Roman Polanski version of Oliver because we've got an Oliver and let's just let him sleep in our arms for a bit longer we were love drunk and um, I loved him my love for him had nothing to do with his abilities had absolutely nothing to do with what He could do for me, how He could serve me. In fact, He knows His abilities now and some of them are emerging and we're making observations. But before He knew any of that, He knew our love. He knew our acceptance. He knew that within this relationship called our family that He didn't even have vocab for. He was accepted, loved, and that our relationship would define everything. Do you know when it comes to you, everything is defined by your relationship with God. When it comes to you before God asks you for a thing, when it comes to you and before God even talks about need, He leads you into relationship. You know, two of the strongest images in the Bible to describe the relationship between God and His people are that of the Bride of Jesus Christ. Unless the guys feel left out and made effeminate by that, he says that, girls, we are the sons of God. The Bride of Christ and the sons of God. Before you lift a finger for Him, before you touch a thing for Him, before He stirs your heart for service to Him, it is His love for you that defines your identity. When you know your identity, you can discover your shape. But first, you actually have to have a revelation of your identity. And in fact, discovering your shape will drive your identity deeper. Revelation 19 verse 7 says, Let us rejoice and be glad and give Him glory for the wedding of the Lamb that is Jesus' come and His bride, that's us, has made herself ready. And in fact, there's about 23 distinct references to you, not as Jesus' slave, Servant, not even his friend, although it mentions that, but 23 distinct references that you are his bride, his precious bride. And to us, that means one thing, beautiful wedding dress, reception. I've got a cousin here today and she's getting married next year and no doubt she's gonna look absolutely gorgeous and we're gonna have a party. But to the Jewish mind, it meant so much more that someone would be a bride. The fact that Jesus calls us a bride means that an arrangement, an initiation on the part of the groom has happened, that He has initiated relationship with you. And a price has been paid for you. A price was paid for the bride. And her worth was reflected. She'd be leaving one family. There would be a loss and a price had to be reflected. But not only that, a proposal had to be made. And that's risky because a proposal being made to a bride, even after the bride price is paid and all that sort of thing, is risky because she has the right to say no, no thanks, not that groom, not that one. Well, if she does say yes, she is given a gift and the gift is to sustain her in the waiting because the waiting would be about one to two years. The waiting would be a while and she would know thereabouts he may arrive, but I need to get ready because it could be any time that he returns. And the gifts sustained her in the waiting. Well, the groom would go away and he would go away with one purpose. And that was to prepare a place for her. To prepare a place for them. And so he would go away, usually in the father's house. He would add a room. Are you catching on to the echoes here? Ultimately, it was the bride's responsibility to make herself ready, to beautify herself, to prepare herself, to grow and cultivate her love for her groom. And there's no boyfriends in the waiting, that's finished. Distractions, focuses, lesser things are now finished in the life of that bride as she waits for her bridegroom. And ultimately, there is a marriage to come and it is beautiful. This image describes so perfectly God's heart toward you. An initiation has been made for your love. A price has been paid for your life. Nothing less than the precious blood of Jesus Christ was paid for you. And a proposal is made Will you give me your life? Will you, of your own free will, give me your heart? Will you follow me? Will you give your life to me? And when we say yes, we are given the gift of the Holy Spirit. And we can't do anything without Him. We can't wait for the bridegroom to come without the, the empowerment of the Holy Spirit. We can't serve and prepare and get ready and reach the world that we're in with our acts of service and prayer and fasting and joining teams and attending life groups and Bible reading. We can't do any of it without the gift of the Holy Spirit that the Bridegroom has given us to prepare us as we wait. Well, ultimately He will return and there's a wedding. There will be a wedding one day. The marriage of the Lamb, Revelations calls it, when we, when the promise he has made, the betrothal, and betrothal is so much more than engagement. The relationship that we are currently in with our Lord Jesus Christ is so much more than just an engagement. It is as good as married, and it will be finalized at that wedding one day. It is a sacred love and a sacred identity that you have. He no longer calls us servants. He calls us friends, but even more than that, He says it has gone beyond that. You are my precious bride, and I am preparing a bride. You are not a volunteer. You are not just here and it's an event. You are His bride today, if you know Him. But you're also a son. And it says in Galatians 4, 7, so you are no longer a slave, driven by your desires, driven by sin, driven by every whim of the world, but you are God's son. And since you are his son, God has also made you an heir. He's made you a son. The things that you serve in, you are the heir to. We talk about comms and life groups and all different things and we are heirs to this kingdom of God that he is building. We are heirs to the church he is building. Slaves, in the culture that is, are dispensable. They do a job and it matters not. Just get the task done. Sons are priceless. You are priceless. Slaves are required to perform. Sons dwell in the Father's house. So much so David, who is the son of God, said, I would rather be a doorkeeper in the house of my God than dwell in the tents of the wicked. If I could just dwell at that door. I love you so much, Jesus, because sons know how to dwell in the house. They don't visit the house, they dwell in it. Slaves aren't invested in the outcome. Sons, on the other hand, are stewarding their inheritance can you see it changes everything? You know, when it comes to serving too, I, I want to say, and it's, it's controversial, God doesn't need you. But He wants you. This is the thing. God is a bridegroom. Jesus is a bridegroom. God is a father. He's not Uncle Sam running a recruitment drive. He's not Lord Kitchener if you're familiar with that sort of warm stuff saying we want you. No, he's a father saying I love you. He's a bridegroom saying I am passionately in love with you and I'm waiting for you. Will you wait for me? He doesn't need you, but he wants you and in fact he created you to co-labor with Him, to partner with Him. You know, with Andrew, being married to Andrew, everything is better. Everything didn't just get 50% better with two 50s coming together to make 100. There was an exponential effectiveness and love and desire and exponential fruit in being married to Him. And that is what it's like with God, that we co-labor with Him that there is a passion. John 15 16 says, you did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you may go and bear fruit and fruit that will last. You know, He wants to do it with us, His bride, His sons. One of my sons loves to help and it's not always helpful The other one's even growing in the grace of the desire of helping. And with the one that likes to help, I cook with him. I've made it my mission to teach him five meals. So his wife inherits a great husband that can cook. And he helps me cook the butter chicken. He helps me cook cookies. He helps me cook stuff. It's not always helpful, but I love doing it with him. I love spending time with him. I love it when he makes the mess that I have to clean up. I would much rather go slower and do it with him than without him. I'm super efficient. I can whip through that sucker pretty quick. I can scream in from getting home from work with the kids and I can get the dinner on the table and I can get it done. But I love slowing down and doing it with him. I love it when he attempts to vacuum. I love it when James and Talia come over and I'm on limited time and I'm like, Harry, you can do the vacuuming. Oh no, I've revealed the identity of the helping son. Keep it between us, okay? And he whips around and I'm like, Andrew, can you go and fix up what he didn't (laughs) do? I love it because I want to do it with him. The problem for us when it comes to serving is that identity gets blurred. When identity gets blurred, service becomes a burden. When identity gets messed up and muddied, when you are no longer the bride and the son, when it's no longer a heart revelation that Jesus, I am yours, you love me so much, you'd pay a price of your blood and body for me. That is when service becomes a burden. When slaves become sons, when sons become slaves, something groans on the inside A wrong view of God and ourselves will cause our serving to be a burden that is too hard. It'll change our attitude, it'll change our heart motivation. We start serving to earn His love, revealing deep at our core, we never really believed it was free anyway. We serve, we we get hurt in service and our identity gets damaged and we fear serving again. I just think I might sit this one out. It hurt last time because identity, identity was attached to it. Competition and comparison, it becomes I need to be seen and what's the point of me doing it? They can do it better and the comparison's painful. Identity, it's an identity issue. I want the credit. I desire to serve, 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 and I've served, served, served for all the years of my life and nobody's ever paid me for it. Nobody's ever complimented me on it. What did I get out of it? I feel owed. And suddenly he's no longer a father and a bridegroom. He's a taskmaster. I feel owed, the second son. We feel owed and we give up because we lose heart and we feel like it's not worth it. God, I can see so many problems here. I, this just feels like too much. I don't even think it's worth contributing, God. I don't think it's worth serving. And we lose heart. Some of us, we don't even need Jesus anymore in our service. We're so good at what we do. We're so professional. You know, Jesus talked about the disciples came to Jesus and said, you know, we people came to him and said about his disciples, you know, they couldn't cast this demon out. And it's almost as if Jesus was saying, this one, this one comes only by prayer and fasting because you have to seek the power of God. You can't do this in your own strength. You can't do this just by screaming louder, asserting more authority. You actually have to seek my power. Some of us in all areas of service, even in our home, our life group attendance, our serving in our profession midweek, we don't even need Jesus anymore. We're not even asking him in the car on the way to the work. Holy Spirit, would you work through me as I serve you today? We feel abused. We lose our love. We misunderstand the intentions of the Father. And we earn his love rather than serving from a place of knowing his love in all areas. If I could have the keys up, that would be fantastic. We lose our identity You know, Martha had an identity issue. It was not a rostering issue in the home with Jesus. It was not that Mary forgot that she was on the roster. It wasn't that there wasn't enough helpers in the house that day. It's just that Martha was becoming Martha. Martha was becoming someone that lost her identity. And instead of serving Jesus, with two minutes of her attention. Instead of actually finding out from him, he didn't want the five course meal, he just wanted her and a bit of pizza. (laughs) She found her identity in serving and it made the house toxic for other people. Mary, however, Mary found her identity and from that served Jesus with the one thing that was needed, one thing. We have to establish when it comes to service, our identity as the bride and the son. It starts with love. My marriage and the service that came with it started with a covenant that says, I will love you until death do us part. Service emerges out of that place of love. My sons could do nothing for me and their ultimate service within our family and society will actually be founded in the love and acceptance they found in their parents who loved them before they could do anything. I really believe this morning, you know, we are going into this two week, What's Your Shape series? Can I just say to you, God wants to restore His bride. He wants to restore identity in His bride. He wants to get the heart right. He wants to show you again how committed He is to you. Restore your heart. In the story of the prodigal son, and it's a powerful story of two sons who lost their identity. We think it's one son. You know, one son says to the father, you mean nothing to me all I want is your money. In the ancient Near East, what He did in taking His inheritance was as good as saying, Dad, I'd prefer you dead, essentially. God, I only want from you the power, the gifts. I don't know about you. He goes, He experiences life without the Father, life without the heart of a Father in it. And He reasons in His head, that it's better actually to be a servant in my father's house than it is to actually stay in the pig pen and have my own way. And he goes back and he reasons, I'm just, I'm gonna make it up to your Dad. I'll serve you all the days of my life. I'll be a servant in your house. But do you know what the father does to restore him? He welcomes him back as a son. The restoration was a reminding of his true identity. You never lost your sonship. You never lost your status in the family. You have rejected me, but I have not rejected you. But how about the older brother? You know, he he never left home physically, but his heart left home a long time ago. Do you know you can be in the house of God and attend and be at everything and signed up for everything and thank God for you. I, that is amazing. That's what we want, You know that is, that's participation in the body of Christ. But your heart can walk out the door while your body's still here. And God, for the second son, restores him too and reminds him, all that I have is yours. You are me. I am You, You're my Son. Let me remind you of Your identity as well. There's a restoration. You know, when it comes to service, and and I believe that service is part of God helping you discover your destiny. Service will fulfil you, you will make friends doing it, God's given you gifts to serve. But do you know before any of that, You have not come to serve Jesus. He makes this grand statement that He has come to serve you. Isn't that profound? It says here in Matthew 20, 28. For even the Son of Man came not to be be served, but to serve others and to give His life as a ransom for many. We're not serving Him, He's serving us. And our service is just a response to His love for us as His bride, as His son, as His daughter. Do you know His service initiates it all? And even today, I believe He's wanting to serve some people. He's wanting to serve you with healing, I believe that there's people in the room today and maybe if we could stand to our feet. Maybe for you, service has become dry and by service, your prayer life, your fasting, your attendance at Life Group, you're serving on teams and you love the Lord Jesus Christ, you love the church, you love being involved. There's nothing nothing wrong there, but maybe for you, you've just become weary and dry. I believe today that God wants to bring you back to your first love. I really believe it. Maybe for others, it's something that's happened. Maybe, I really believe there's some in the room and it's not that you lost your identity as the bride or the son. Maybe you felt people didn't treat you as the bride or the son and you were hurt in service. Someone someone violated trust. And there's a sense in you, I'm just a bit gun shy. I I just don't know if I can trust anymore. Maybe something's happened and you're protecting your heart. Maybe you served and you just need refreshing in the Lord. Maybe there's a dream in your heart that you feel like is unrealized in your service. I believe that God wants to do something fresh this morning that's you, just right where you're at, why don't you lift your hands to the Lord. We're going to sing a song of worship. And I really believe this morning, the Holy Spirit wants to minister to hearts. He wants to refresh joy. He wants to refresh identity. He wants to remind you that you are His bride. Thanks for listening to this week's message. For more info about Horizon Church, please visit our website at hz.church. Have a fantastic day and we hope to see you again soon.